Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz TV podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network for a very exciting episode of 24 from season five, episode number 14, production number 5AFF14 from March the 20th, 2006. That's uh, my birthday episode. We missed your birthday last week, Ben. We apologize Aww. for that. Uh, for your birthday, we killed Tony Almeida, or did we? Uh, for my birthday, nobody's going to die. Um, and we will bid farewell to Desmond as he moves on to bigger and better things uh, for at least a season or two. <laughs> but uh, this is episode number 14 of season five, 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., written by Howard Gordon and Evan Katz, uh, directed by Brad Turner, a story by Sam Montgomery, three screenwriters this week. Uh, and it is an episode I had zero recollection of with the exception of a few moments at the end where I'm like, Oh yeah, isn't this where this happens? And then that happened. Uh, I think it's your typical episode after the, the, the double whammy of uh, the last two weeks where it's setting some things up. It's slowing some things down, but uh, boy, does that actually work? Uh, I was very surprised how much I enjoyed this episode. Uh, my name is Colin, and I asked for your name, not where you worked. Oh, goody, you didn't use it. And my name is Ben, and I enjoy watching you get dressed almost as much as I watch you getting undressed. <laughs> I thought you were going to use it. Oh, that was backup. my other line. That was in there, too. Oh. Uh, I also want to mention March, was on the, list. March 20th, uh, the day the Iraq, Iraq War started. So there you go. Is it really? Yeah. It, not in 2006, though, was it? 2003. Happy 20th birthday to the uh, Iraq War this year, everyone. <laughs> On this day, oh, uh, 2006, the day this episode aired, over 150 Chadian soldiers were killed in Eastern Chad <laughs> by members of the rebel UFDC. So, uh, And, so- you know, to, to celebrate this anniversary, Ben has a special 20th anniversary episode with some people from Chad and Iraq <laughs> to celebrate. <laughs> I have Saddam Hussein's long-lost friend on the show. <laughs> what did you really think of the invasion? And we count down your top favorite explosions of the Iraq war. <laughs> And somehow he pins it all on Yemen. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, this episode um, really remembered nothing about, which is unusual because typically when we'll go through these seasons, some, there'll be a plot point here or there where we're like, I don't remember this. And I definitely watched this episode because uh, there's stuff, uh, one moment at the end where I'm like, oh yeah, I remember this part. Uh, but like, wow, like this episode has no business being as good as it is as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, it's a lot of setup for what we're going to get the next couple weeks. There are multiple cliffhangers, which all I feel like could have been the big cliffhanger. Uh, we get uh, a nice return appearance here of uh, D.B. Woodside. He's going to be an important integral part of the next couple episodes. And we get the uh, the final, final appearance of uh, Henry Ian Cusick here. Aww. And um, I, I definitely have some opinions as to where I think they maybe were intending to go with that. But uh, all in all, this is a very good episode. And um, I... 
don't think that anything's going to top the previous two weeks, but uh, hey, this might come close. There, there are two things about this episode that I don't like. One, which makes me very, very mad, and one which is probably the same thing you are touching on with Henry and Cusack, which it's just this, it's something that 24 doesn't really do, is leave something so open-ended that clearly something's going to happen and they never go back to it. And I think there are reasons behind that. But, um, yeah, I think that outside of this, you're right. This is a fantastic episode. It's obviously not on par of the last couple of weeks, but it's still a very uh, put together because it's tense. It's exciting. There's, there's lots of plot holes, and I've got another key issue actually at the very beginning of the episode, which kind of makes me mad, which I think if I was you, if I was hosting this episode, I'd maybe start with the Tony thing because we can sort of just touch on that quickly. But mm. just putting stuff into your head there, Colin. But outside of that, like it's, it is very entertaining. It's exciting. And I think that it's, uh, you, you know, you're in the second half of the season now because this is all leading, well, mainly to somewhere. Um, well, I'll get there in a second. I'm going to get to Tony after we quickly talk about some other of the uh, side plots, I guess, going on. Or I guess one major side plot here, which is, uh, Colette, who is wake up from being in bed with Henry and Cusick, and he's calling her Penny, and she's like, who? Um, <laughs> she's calling it's him Mr. Bond, and what? he doesn't know what it is. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's basically on her way to meet up with uh, Bierko, and he says, see you in 45 minutes at the airport. <laughs> see you soon. <laughs> see you soon. Uh, and I guess for the Bierko stuff, when Colette gets there, she's you find out just like a broker she's selling them schematics schematics for what we don't know we're gonna find a little bit later on they do a bit of a deal and uh this deal is basically two hundred thousand uh oh no two hundred thousand people are gonna die i thought it was two hundred thousand dollars we don't know i think we find out how much money she's getting 10 million 10 million okay so she's getting the exchange of the money and it's kind of like this, this cool back and forth scene where he's like, all right, give us the schematics and we'll transfer the money. She goes, transferring the money and I'll give you the schematics. No, other way around. No, other way around. Uh, eventually, they transfer the money. She hands over the schematics to them. That's kind of the end of uh, uh, her part with them. And Bierko is uh, talking about their plans. And again, it's, uh, I, I'm, as much as we're kind of making fun of it, I'm, I'm growing to appreciate the B-movie quality of uh, trailer line our, dearly depart- <laughs> yeah, our, our dearly departed Julian Sands here. Uh, like, uh, as they're talking about, oh, oh, we need to, you know, use this in a bigger place than where these schematics are. They're very carefully not saying where they're going to attack. And he goes, no, this is the spot. We we uh, plant this here. 200,000 people will die. <laughs> and I love he's like, he has his paws. Like, it's almost like a days of our life. I, I just want his like, henchman there to be like, okay, so we're going yeah. ahead with this plan then? <laughs> yes, we are. <laughs> so so that's a no to another mall then, right? <laughs> yes, no on the mall. No to Dodger <laughs> Stadium. All right, well, whatever. That's, that's less than 200,000. So you're right, sir. Moving on. <laughs> Don't go walking in the wilderness anytime soon, <laughs> Mr. Sands. I mean, oh, yeah. oh too soon. Too soon. <laughs> too soon. Sorry. Um, I'll quickly talk about the Logan stuff too, because there's, there's not a lot going on there other than uh, <clears throat> it's yeah. killing me uh, having to talk about this Logan stuff. Colin's but- getting the cancer because <laughs> I made a joke about Julian Sands. His family are voodoo witches. And they're like, you will die for mentioning the great Julian. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but uh, Logan and Gardner are just going over their statement to the press. We have the press conference about to start. Uh, they do have this press conference, and then we see the media coverage afterwards, which is uh, um, uh, showing, I guess, I-, I was kind of watching this thinking, this is something the media probably should have already been talking about. It's like, why have they not declared martial law? <laughs> you think they'd be saying this, but instead they're like, oh, and I guess we're going to have to debate the legality of this. And then Logan's like, what does he mean legality? Like, 
I, I think I underestimated how much of season four Logan is still in Logan in yeah. season five because you really the way that they introduced him in, in the beginning of season five you're like this is a change man and obviously there's things that are come up later in the season where like he's definitely a change man but we're still getting these hints of like this guy doesn't know what he's doing like he's he's just he's looking for people so that he can be the yes man he doesn't want yes men around him he wants to be the yes man so like, what do you want me to do Gardner uh martial law uh is this legal tell me Gardner uh maybe I'll get back to you uh, but uh, Gardner has to work out whether this is legal or not. He makes a couple of phone calls. Martha comes in. Um, they, uh, I, I guess, I, I don't say that her and Gardner you know, have it out, but it's like this tense moment where it's like, I need to talk to my husband. He goes, oh, we'll be free in a moment. No, I need to talk to my husband now. Excuse us. Uh, you get her kind of storming out of the room. Uh, you know, Quick scene with her and Aaron where she's you know obviously voicing her, her discomfort with Gardner and, uh, her whole theory in this is that he might just be looking to get a nomination next time around. Maybe he's setting you up to fail. Uh, and best uh, cinematographer. What? Best nomination for best cinematographer. Oh, nomina- nomination. <laughs> ah! Where's that? Where's you got a button for that now? Come on, get on the ball. No, no, the ha 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 comedy gold. Oh, that one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good one, Ben. Oh, comedy gold from Ben Waterworth. Oh. Thank you, Colin. Thank you. Means a lot to me. Wow, if you only actually had a button that could do that, <laughs> coming handy. <laughs> uh, there's uh there's there's a moment here though where the I guess it's I don't know whether it was the media, but they they basically say oh, this is the whatever terrorist attack, or maybe it was Logan or Gardner who said it, where they're talking about the terrorist attack that started. Oh, it was it is Logan's statement, Logan's I think. Speech, where yeah. He says it just started with the assassination of David Palmer. I'm thinking like, I thought this was something early in the season we talked about that they weren't saying that was part of this. Like whether, you know, they were trying to sweep that under the rug and say, we don't want people to know, or just people weren't drawing that conclusion. But I think this is the first time where they're actually directly saying this is tied to David Palmer's assassination, which should still be like lead story number one. And it then it got be. bumped to lead and story again, number six. The Russian press, like, and this is the thing too, where they're yeah. kind of like, oh yeah, but like if anything, like rather than martial law, shouldn't they be like locking down any important politi- political figure in the country right now? Because you had two assassination and assassination attempt and he's just chilling at this retreat. He should be in like the underground yeah. bunker at the White House. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, I mean, and when they're talking about in the press conference, there was the Palmer assassination and then the Ontario airport and then that mall thing. And then the Russian president, like he's basically giving his resume for why they're allowed to do this. So why is there anybody calling up legalities? But Gardner makes a few phone calls and he makes their problems go away. Uh, Wayne calls Aaron up right after uh, Martha storms out. And um, he's saying, I'm coming to you. Oh no, but we got a curfew in effect. Well, don't worry. I left before the curfew was in place. I guess that makes it Okay. I do wonder why Wayne has no security though. Like his brother was just assassinated and they yeah. now have publicly to the media admitted this is part of t- a terrorist attack across the entire, well, greater Los Angeles, but entire country really this is about. He's got to have a security with him, but no, he's he's got nobody. Uh, he's on the way there and then uh, he comes up to a roadblock and of course, because he's a black man, they don't let him through without getting proper authorization. Uh, he calls, he gets the authorization and then there's this great scene where Wayne's driving and he starts to see this van following him. And like, I I, I actually, I'm going to make fun of this in a way, but I kind of like it because it's not what you expect. The look that D.B. Woodside gives this entire time as he's being chased is looking through the rearview mirror. It doesn't look like, what's that? It doesn't look like somebody's following me. It looks like, 
somebody just fart in this car and not say something because like the cameraman actually farted and didn't tell him. And he has that exact same expression the whole time until gunfire is open. These guys from a van are firing all on DB Woodside. Um, just DB Woodside, not Wayne Palmer. <laughs> We're trying to take all the real <laughs> this man. This is just real footage. <laughs> <laughs> so it really is tough if you're a black man in Los Angeles. It's where race is set, uh, 24. <laughs> this guy's exactly. not white. Get him off the set. <laughs> uh, but uh, they shoot out the tires. His car rolls down the hill, and then the last we see of him, he's kind of ducking into a tunnel there. Uh, and I guess let's just include on there, uh, if you want to talk about it right away, uh, Tony's body's been covered with a sheet, uh, and he's going to be instantly revived in about 30 seconds by somebody uh, that will be introduced in a few seasons. I'll talk about that separately in a moment. Let me go over this stuff. Um, question around Martha going to Logan. Why is Martha delivering to Logan? Oh, by the way, CTU just found a suspect. We should look into this. Like yeah. she's like she no, she says like Mike just spoke to CTU. And then Logan's excuse is, "Ah, oh, CTU was shit. Like people died. Leave him <laughs> alone." Which we find out, by the way, 56 people were killed. And they br- they yeah. brushed it under the rug. I know we're not to CTU okay. yet, but fuck me. Uh, but the thing that's more questionable there is that they say something like 40% of their staff are either dead or unable to work. Uh, I'm sorry. I saw like about 13 people alive in that building Everyone's and you said 56 are dead. That's 40%. Where are these numbers coming from? Like, I think it, it all comes down to like Logan just doing this speech here going like, yeah, so this guy was shot. This guy was shot. There was this. So Marshall in the 24 world, they are so used to terrorist attacks that they just pass it off like it's the freaking morning news. Like, it's just literally like, ah, <laughs> oh, 56. Like, we saw it back in season two when freaking Paula's guts were on the wall like 20-something people are dead. Hmm, but we've got a job to do. Like, there was that freaking, was it about five or so years ago, that newspaper in France where the terrorists went in and killed a oh, bunch yeah. of people and then that started off like a couple of days of attacks in France. I don't think the people from Charlie Hebdo went back the next day. Well, <laughs> fuck. Shame that Lenny's dead, but we've got a newspaper to print. Like, I mean, like, it doesn't work that way. Take uh, a paper towel and a keyboard. Exactly. And somebody's sitting at the desk of the dead people <laughs> next week. Yeah, like, it's just, it's just literally just the one. We have it in this episode. Miles is just like, Egg is dead. I'll take his desk then. <laughs> Lucky me. Uh, don't have to go into the bathroom to work on my laptop. Yay. Everything's coming up, Miles. Um, <laughs> but I guess it's just, you know, you've got to move it along, I guess. But, um... I do, I do like, um, uh, was it how bit when he's in the, like, they're so trying to shove it down your face that he's evil because there's that bit when he's in the room and it's like, don't worry, Charles, everything is in my control or something like that. I have everything yeah. under control. And then kind of you see this bit when, like, the security checkpoint ring up how and they're kind of all like, hmm, Wayne Palmer, right, wants to come to the compound. Remind me what colour his skin is again? <laughs> hmm... Let him through, and then we will chase after him. Which, going back to your point, when like I will deal with him myself. <laughs> Palmer with no security, like I mean, this is just a thing of the Palmer assassination. It's not on the news anymore. They don't give a shit. Like, oh well, thank God we got rid of history of that point. That blip in our radar that we had a black president. Phew, that's done with. All right, off you go back to your normal life. Um, everyone can sleep soundly in the U.S. again. <laughs> racist. This show is all of a sudden. I didn't realize how racist Twenty Four is. Um. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, I didn't notice the fart face effect. This reminds me of Joey and Friends, the sniff the fart method of acting. Uh, but, yeah, like, oh, no, Palmer's been, like, taken out. What could possibly be going on there? The the whole, I know we're not sort of really up to the Henry and Cusack double cross bit, and there's issues I have with that. But 
what's a face here, old? Um, it's not Stella Starsgard. What's her name? Uh, Stana. Stana. Stana Kadic. Does she like? Is her type cast just like, oh, she's sleeping with someone who's not who they are? Like, I mean, Quantum of Solace? And, yeah. And now, like... We mentioned that last week. This is like the alternate universe where she's the villain in Quantum of Solace. I don't know if Nathan Fillion was that way in Castle or Bones, whichever <laughs> one she was in Castle, right? Um, I was yeah. the same fucking show. Um, <laughs> David Boreanaz and Nathan Fillion, often often <laughs> mistaken. But, like, it's just... It's it's interesting kind of how they, they go along with this. and I, I But this is where I think this episode really stands out is this back and forth of these two in the, in the hotel. And then kind of I love this bit when you get the Colette character going with Bierko because this is this the first time we have ever had sort of two villains meeting and doing something and no one double crosses anyone? Like yeah. think about season three when they're getting the virus and everything. Like you're just expecting Bierko to just be like, don't let her leave this building alive. Like... This is kind of, I mm-hmm. like it when you sort of got two like evil people coming together and like, well, she's just a go-to person. She's just always selling this information and she's fine with it. She just leaves and goes off to go do Penny or the other way around uh, Desmond. But, oh, I'd watch that. But um, like it's, it's kind of, it's just, it's interesting. It's tense. I really like it. It's just the 200,000 people will die line. Um, I won't go on about my Henry Ian Cusick stuff yet because I guess we're not up to that part of the episode. But the, the to- like, so this is, it's just... We touched on it last week. This is where I, I still, to this day, will stand by the fact that the writers of this show fucked up and they didn't realize what they did and then they retconned this by bringing him back in two years because they spent the week in the lead up to this episode, oh, well, maybe he's not dead. Maybe that's why we didn't do a silent clock. You'll just have to wait and see. Ten seconds into this episode, they put a sheet over him. Jack's moved on. He's not crying anymore. He's like, oh, well, there's another one. And then off they pop. So, like, that is where I, I remember, like, being in the lead up to this episode. Going, like, oh, my God, he's obviously alive. Like, clear it is. And then when that happened, I'm like, that's it? And I think what also pisses me off about the fact is the fact that Jack literally is over it in two seconds. Like, this is a guy. Yeah, that's a problem. Like, this is a guy who is bawling his eyes out to this guy dying in his arms. Even with Palmer, we at least got some level of, you know, like, oh, like, uh, revenge. Like, because he, you know, cold-heartedly kills the guy at the beginning of this season. Terry, we never directly get to see it because that's the end of the season. And then we see him, how do I live? At least in the next episode. And then we're going to get at least with, I won't say who they are, but two or Renee, we know she's dying, spoiler alert. And then maybe another person who's in this season who's directly related to the plot twist at the end of the episode, when they die, there's at least some level of reaction. Yeah, I will say he goes too far with Renee. I think that's way too much and not as much with the other person. But at least his reaction. This, again, I get it. This is a week later, this episode, and the audience has moved on. But if you are binging this and if you keep to the real-time format, dip, 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 dip. So literally what has happened with Jack? He's going, Tony, Tony. And then the people walk in. Oh, all right, there's a sheet over there, guys. Can you cover it? I've got shit to do. Like, I mean, it's just, there's no reaction. And that's what sucks. And they cover him up and that's it. And then, like, I hate the fact that you've got to remember this in season seven. Ten minutes. So right now, the ME have taken Tony's body put him on a gurney, they've sped him outside. Jack, meanwhile, is on the phone going, hey, Curtis, I know you kind of had me like, you know, remember remember Curtis last time I saw you, how I kind of knocked you out and escaped? Now I'm going to come with you and help you. That bitch just brushed under the rug. And so they're off on their little adventure. Meanwhile, the Emmy are attacked outside of this building 10 minutes later and Tony is taken in and revived. Hey, by the way, Henderson called me. I know he didn't really kill you. (laughs) I'm sorry. I'm calling bullshit on the logic behind Tony being alive still because he's literally revived 10 minutes later. 
and then he's mm-hmm. basically brainwashed to be evil. Or is he? Or isn't he? Like, oh, God, it's so confusing. So I get what you did, 24. I understand it. But I'm sorry. Howard, John, you fucked up. You wanted to kill him off. You saw the fan backlash. You realized you didn't do a silent clock. You realized what you did. So then you were like, fuck, let's retcon this a couple of years later. Hey, Carlos, what are you doing? Don't sign on that pilot. We will need you in a couple of years' time. And even in the book... They literally, like, it's brushed over in, like, a sentence here before they move on to talking about um, Jane Atkinson. Executive producer Howard Gordon admits that Tony's death wasn't as dramatically satisfying as expected. I was extremely happy with the, the way Kiefer underscored Tony's death, but less happy with the way he died. I didn't have the, it didn't have the impact I hoped it would have. Because you fucked it up! This is, like, the second biggest character in 24 at this point in history, and you basically treated him like Paula got more of a death scene in freaking season two! So I'm calling bullshit on their explanation for it. There's my rant over. Rip Tony, sort of. I, I still I still think that they, the, the silent clock thing or the omission of the silent clock was intentional. That's my, whether or not they ever thought we're going to bring them back. I honestly think that there's a lot of stuff in 24 where they're like, oh, we'll leave the door open for this. We'll leave the door open for this. And I, I don't think that's anything they could have missed. I did send you a screenshot. For some reason, Disney Plus doesn't allow you to actually take screenshots. So there's a picture that you got my finger, but... That is the, the the exact same expression that Wayne has the entire car chase. <laughs> Who farted? Um, I, I can't wait to see more stuff with him uh, to see if he has that same expression. That's going to be uh, the new Wayne. That's 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 the Wayne. That's if you if you if you have that look <laughs> like somebody farted. That's called the Wayne. The Wayne. Um, yeah, I mean, my th- I don't really have much else to add on the Tony death that we didn't already talk about. I I think that it was it wasn't executed that well in the previous week, and him just being under the sheet here. I mean. To me, the issue with this is that you've moved on. You said it perfectly. You've moved on too too quickly. You should have something. We're still seeing Chloe, even next week, we still see Chloe dealing with Edgar's death. And for Jack, I think there's like one brief mention of it. I don't know if it's in this episode or not, or there's something that that like, oh, that's obviously maybe connected to Tony and you see a reaction from him, but there's week, nothing. Isn't it? it might be, I because I already watched next week's episode, but uh yeah, it's it's just you've moved on, and this is too big to move on from because you're. We should not be talking. This is no disrespect to Edgar. Edgar's death is one of these death scenes that probably won't be top going. For, I'm trying to think if there's anything that's going to top it going forward, but Edgar is not Tony. You know, uh, th- th- there's no need to be bringing Edgar up for the rest of the season and not Tony. And that's what I, we kept saying. I think Edgar's character is only amplified more by his death. If, like mm-hmm. outside of that, we've and no disrespect to Edgar, the character of Edgar, but he really isn't that much of a memorable character. It's his death that makes him memorable. It's I think, and you're right. And the, the, let's not forget, halfway through last week, we had Jack and Kim with the "I'm not okay" scene. So like yeah. in the space of half an hour, Jack has basically lost his daughter in a way because she's like, "I never want to talk to you again," and then again. loses Tony. He is literally in a, one of the most amazing scenes. Said, "I'm not okay." And I was just like, hey, Curtis, old buddy, want to go grab a slice? Like, I get it. We don't want Jack to be, how do I live, Jack, all the time? But, like, again, I'll keep saying it. This is what the start of season six does so well. You've kind of got this broken, dejected, don't know what I can do anymore, Jack. Have this be a little bit more. He moves on way too fast. And this is where the real-time format is an issue because it's like, you can't have Jack Bauer going like for the first time ever showing a real level of, no, I'm not okay, then loses his best friend and he's just basically like, yeah, cool. And Chloe's <laughs> suffering more. You're right. Absolutely right. When we get to next week with the controversial plot twist that we technically get at the end of this episode, 
Um, I'll actually have some defenses for that and how they handle it. But I think one of the things that would make next week go a lot better is if you show that, okay, it was my daughter. Now it's Tony. Now it's this. It's one thing after the other. And then maybe you'd understand Jack a little bit more going into next week, but they don't really do that. It's just one of these things that you can't nitpick too much. I mean, they have 42 minutes to tell a story and often they have to cut like, you know, a, a line here or there, but, uh, it's uh, Tony is somebody who deserves something bigger. Um, I, the CTU stuff, I guess, uh, minus Jack. Well, first, just quickly talking about Audrey already has a full report on Colette already. <laughs> now, this is something else that I feel like tie this into next week. Be like, how did you get that? We just got her name 30 seconds She's ago. You got a full report on I mean, they, they get a presidential pardon in like two minutes in this episode. So, I mean, God, they're very like, <laughs> if I can take out CTU, the government works faster. <laughs> Uh, this is something that you could use on the other side to kind of play on. It's like, oh, but I heard that she got a report really quickly and you're going to understand other characters next week a lot more if you start to tie this in a little bit, but you don't really. Um, Yeah, she's got the full report already and uh, Curtis is already prepping his team. Like, wow, a lot has happened. They they did have to move on quick from Tony's death. They weren't allowed to dwell on this in any you get rid of Tony, you become real workers at CTU. Get rid of those 56 is, people who are bringing us down and we're efficient. This was this is what they were holding back this whole time. <laughs> Peak efficiency is kill Tony. <laughs> you're only um, you're only as good as your weakest member, right? So Tony, the 56 <laughs> dead people and the the body bags, CTU, it's like a well-oiled train. Uh I mean after Jack leaves to meet up with Curtis who so so sad couldn't Curtis couldn't make it back here to CTU in time for the Centox attack uh, or any of that stuff, but he's already outside ready to go. Like, <laughs> you, you, how about where were you? I don't know, five minutes ago when we could have used you? Okay, okay let's uh, go. But, Curtis is smart. Curtis knows how racist his show is. Like, I'm not going anywhere near that building. Yeah, exactly. I'm dead. <laughs> I'm staying outside. I, 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 I saw Wayne Palmer being tailed on the freeway. Just for driving. <laughs> I'm be the next guy. <laughs> I know. I'm, All he did was drive. I'm going to put a white guy in my car, then I'll be safe. Come on, Jack, hurry up. Like, like get some <laughs> guns as well. Like, it will be good. This reminded me of Men in Black, where it's like, oh, does this come uh, standard? Oh, it came with a black guy, but they kept getting pulled over. <laughs> <laughs> oh, funny. Um, so Karen arrives now. Uh, again, very quick. <laughs> Everybody's very quick here. Uh, Karen and Miles. Now Miles is a real douche, isn't he? Well, that's <laughs> He's point. supposed to be. But, but I, I like, uh, yeah, I like, I like this guy. I like Stephen Spinella. I think he plays his type of character really well. They do such a good job. Like this is where I think they wanted to go with like uh, what was his name Spencer earlier this season. And they just execute. I mean, he's he's a Chappelle. This is the type of character that nobody likes, and you're not supposed to like him. But the, uh, and you get it instantly. But again, I'm calling this now. They're not wrong. Um, like no. I think Karen and Miles are 100 percent correct. And Jack's gonna do another. Does he really need to do that thing in this episode to create extra drama? So I'm saying I'm on board with Homeland Security. Yeah, and like here's the thing: they don't know the circumstances around Lynn's removal from power, Bill's removal from power bill's reinstatement so when miles first thing when he says comes in to karen listen i think you should take over immediately no we are here to support and to observe and then take over if necessary and he's like just saying you should take over now like yeah you probably should Hmm. we don't know how about at least have a conversation can you tell me your side of the limb thing because this is the report i've had and i want to make sure i have the whole story you were removed from power a couple minutes ago and this isn't even gonna be the last time this season that bill's kind of overthrown um but uh uh, the, the the introduction between her and Bill. Now, I, I 
I, you have to look at a scene like this knowing where the character is going to end up, and you do view it a little bit differently. You know, th- this is not an adversarial thing. And even from the beginning, it's not the way the scene's intended, but it's basically a hello, uh, hi. Um, so <laughs> I see that you're an attractive older lady. I'm an attractive older man. Would you care to discuss this in private? Like, he basically says when she introduces herself, you're discuss this in my chambers, miss. <laughs> like, <laughs> Pulls her way to a private meeting. Uh, these two characters are going to have some more stuff happen in the future seasons. Uh, but uh, when they're in there, they have a little bit of a back and forth where she's, I guess, being a little bit standoffish and not giving all the information. He says, please just level with me. What are you doing here? And she owns up. CTU is being absorbed by Homeland Security. Uh, Bill then has a scene with Audrey, and Bill doesn't tell her. that They kind of make this like, I'm really suspicious that Miles guy, you know, he was following me on the way to the bathroom even. Uh, Bill's just like... Yeah, they're just doing their job. Just smile and wave. Uh, it is interesting that Bill doesn't tell Audrey, though, uh, because Bill's the one guy in this building who's actually doing his job. Uh, there is a great look here, though, where um, Audrey, a- after she talks to Bill, she looks over at Miles, and Miles was already in the process of staring at her, which just makes him that much more of a douche. Uh, <laughs> uh, but uh, this is where Miles goes up and introduces himself to Chloe, and it's like, hello, Miss O'Brien. yes. It's like, hi, uh, who are you? It's like, oh, I am uh, I work for Homeland Security. I asked your name, not who you work for. <laughs> uh, but he does something here, which I don't know whether we've ever seen this in 24 before. Uh, and we've definitely never seen it without an eye roll to follow. He puts Chloe in her place. Yeah. Where he's asking for the key card. No, you're not getting my key card. He goes, yes, I'm getting your key card. You're going to give it to me now. And then she's like, okay, and hands it to him. And I just tried to imagine every other scene where something like this happened. And there's always like a... Or like a rolls her eyes or like, fine, you don't have to be so rude about it. She's just like, yes, sir. (laughs) (laughs) I'm on board. (laughs) Yeah, you will give me your key card. Uh, And then after this, she um, uh, gets a phone call from Jack, uh, which we'll catch up with Jack later on. And he's saying, Chloe, I need you to get into the NSA to get this this list or whatever. And well, that's going to be hard. Uh, I do love the, the line that she has too, where she says, uh, I, I didn't say that I wouldn't do it. I just said I can't do it. <laughs> she has to get her key card back. So what does she do? She goes over and and this is where having a comedian on the show doing something that is not so obviously funny works. Excuse me, Miles. And she basically blatantly dumps it. It's not even like trying to fake. I'm dumping this all over. Chloe, what did you do? You got me all wet. He goes off to the bathroom. She pulls out her key card. I'll she swipes the dry it. cleaning. <laughs> yeah. And I love when he comes back to, he's basically like in his boxer shorts, his shirt untucked. Uh, but uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do the second half of that scene later on. But uh, the, these introductions with Karen miles, like I don't remember what my feelings were on Karen the first time around. Uh, I, I definitely don't think that I expected her to be like the next bill that she would be the, the person who comes in, you think they're going to assume command and then you end up loving them. I probably just thought it was more in the middle. I mean, you're definitely meant to be a little bit more suspicious of Miles, but I think in retrospect, watching this now, they do a good job of not trying to play Karen one way or the other. I and mean, maybe at this point, they're still trying to make up their minds about her. Well, I think it's it's you made a good point about knowing where the character goes. It's hard not to view them a certain way. I think that was like with Bill last season. That yeah, you you kind of get that. Oh, here comes the new boss of Division or CTU. We're gonna have to hate these people. Bill, and even in retrospect, Bill is not unlikable last season. And Karen, to me, is never unlikable. I mean, watching this last season, going, oh, she's not unlikable. But you do get a lot of conflict with her for this season before she ultimately, quote, turns good. But I, I kind of feel bad for Jane Atkinson. And also, maybe this is a bit of a summary of the state of television and culture back in 2006. So she basically, in this book, is saying that 
yeah, like, um, you know, I was very hated. And essentially, like, this is the first time I ever played a character that was hated. And she said, people would say, she's a bitch and all kinds of things. Like, she's just a strong woman and needs to get in the sack with someone. <laughs> <laughs> Which she actually does. So, well, but I mean, what does that say about us? That, like, if there's a strong female yeah. character in 2006, oh, you're just a bitch. Go fuck someone. <laughs> like, you're a woman. <laughs> like, that's, that's horrible to think that that was just like, I'm glad we've progressed 17 years later into something a little bit more than that. <laughs> but um, yeah, like, I, Miles is one of those ones where, yeah, you, you're never meant to like him. Absolutely not. Let's bring in Kate Mara to claim that this guy touched her inappropriately in one of the <laughs> weirdest plot lines, which I only kind of put up with because it's Kate Mara and she could probably <laughs> sing Taylor Swift and I'd be fine with it. But it's just, it's, it's interesting to him because he's so. Like, again, he's not doing anything wrong here. He's doing his job, and I kind of am on board with that. He gets a bit more Weasley later on, but at the end of the day, I'll almost kind of agree with him being Weasley in a weird way. Hmm. Like, it's just kind of one of those ones where, again, we're not meant to like it because we're so tuned to everything Jack does is good. Everything else, everyone else does is bad. But I kind of like this setup, and... Yeah, they're all the, the questionable, questionable when Karen and Miles walks in and there's just a couple of body bags being wheeled past them and they're just like, so I think the coffee's over there, bathrooms are over there. Where can I get a new notepad? Um, <laughs> and they're just kind of going along with that. But the thing I'm a little bit confused around Bill and Karen is that last week on the phone, when you hear her for the first time, it's sort of implied like they kind of know each other, but also implied that they're meeting for the first time. And then here it's kind of almost more implied like they know each other. Like it's, yeah, I don't know if that's ever firmly established if there's a bit of a background between these two. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like, oh, older white actor one, older white actor two, both different genders, both single, 2006, we've got a bingo. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're keeping it in the family uh, demographic, the family like time slot. So white, white, straight, straight, of around the same age. Correct. <laughs> and that's a relationship. But I mean, again, we can't take away from Bill and Karen. They're a fantastic couple. Um, but yeah, and other than that, the, like the Chloe, you're right. That's a very good point. Chloe gets put in a place. I do love the, oh, pay for the dry cleaning. Um, and Miles, it's all over me. Isn't it just water? <laughs> like, I mean, can he just get some paper towel? I know. I thought that this was like coffee, but I, and I tried to look. I'm like, it doesn't even look like tea. It just looks like he has a mug full of water. And like, again, I know we're kind of jumping ahead here with what this whole Jack situation is with the wet list and everything. But again, can we just analyze this? Like all Jack has to do is call up Bill and just ask yeah. him, like, I've got this plan. I'm not really going to give him the wet list. Let's self-destruct, which, I mean, I wish I knew how to make my memory card self-destruct. That's cool. Um, But, like, why? Like, I get it for entertainment purposes to keep us on the edge of the seat. Like, it's a great scene. It's a great sort of double cross. I get it as a television audience while we're getting it. But does it make sense? Like, come on. Like, I mean, Jack should be put in, uh, in jail for treason for this. This is more treason than what Tony did. He's divulging mm-hmm. national secrets to another federal government. That is treason. He's betraying <laughs> his country right there. Without even asking permission. Exactly. And he's a provisional basis. Exactly. Like, again, like, we, I wish we can go, let's start start again, start the rewatch again so we can <laughs> list everything that Jack does that is far worse than anything else that he's trying to prevent in many ways. Like, anyway, but, yeah, I get why they're doing it, and it's great scenes, but the Oz Network here to put, you know, all the things that are wrong with this and why it shouldn't work th- 17 years later. <laughs> um. So I mean, the rest of the Jack story is he shows up and 
Uh, Colette's room is empty, uh, or they think it's empty. They go uh, up to the roof, and uh, I, I do like there was uh, there's this cool Curtis moment here where it's like it's a very field agent thing to do, where I'm just like, oh, this man, I, that, that's the type of line that I think everybody wants to deliver, where Jack basically says, oh, I'm going up the roof, cover me. And he looks at his team, and he gives them like this, like, eyes on this, and then he goes, we're going up top. And he points up, up. like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so cool. Uh, but uh, when they get up there and they're basically ambushed by Desmond. Uh, <laughs> what is this character's name in this again? Teo Stola. Teo, yeah. So we're just going to call him Desmond, though. Uh, and uh, there's a standoff as he's got his gun. I've always through. loved you. <laughs> <laughs> I'll find you. I'll come find you. He's answer the phone Christmas Eve. <laughs> is is he the most the sidebar on Lost here? I, you, I don't know if you guys talked about this. Is he the most unlikely of like popular characters? Because I mean, he's not really there really from the beginning, and he doesn't come in where you're like, this guy's going to be a major well, player, and that, he just ends up being like. Huge. I think that will tie into when we talk about maybe why he didn't come back for more things. Um, so I'll get to that. But yeah, no, I think so. And he, we've talked about it before. He's one of my favorite characters, and him and Penny, the number one love story in that yeah. show, which is filled with amazing love stories. But yeah, hundred percent, he's he's incredible. Uh, yeah, but he's got his gun on Curtis because there's a black man in Los Angeles. <laughs> um, we don't have you in Germany. I, I do. We got rid of you 80 years ago. <laughs> but I do wonder why Jack, again, it's all for the mission, why he's even bothering to bargain with this guy because he doesn't know who he is at this point. Uh, I do love the when he owns up to being a, a German federal agent and Jack calls to get this confirmed. <laughs> he calls Chloe. Now, Chloe's looking at a picture. She could say, I'll send it to your PDA. Instead, she says, Brown hair, brown eyes, and Jack's like, okay, so it's definitely him. And she's like, um, do you want any more for me? No, I got it. Thanks. He actually hangs up on her in <laughs> mid-conversation because brown eyes and brown hair. <laughs> Smells like Frank, 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 Frank and, what were they, um, Frank and Ferdinand? No, that's the- uh, Ferdinand? <laughs> Bratverse. Smells like Bratverse. Smells like sausage <laughs> and cabbage. <laughs> like you, they could have even just given a description. I don't know, like shoulder length, you know, flowing beautiful locks or anything. Instead, uh, it's just brown eyes, brown hair. Uh, doesn't like Jewish people. Oh, all right, cool. It's him. Yeah, <laughs> he's definitely German. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's just it's such a joking. <laughs> <laughs> I would have to say though, Henry <laughs> and Cusick, I love you, but you're half German, half like I know they throw in the line of studied at Oxford. But it's like, hello, I'm from Germany. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Colette's accent's not, her Canadian German accent's not much better, but like she's definitely trying a little harder to well, be German. Well, even later on when freaking Tao's on the phone, it's sort of like, ring, ring, ring. Guten Tag, this is Germany, yeah? <laughs> it's like, oh, hello there, chap. I am from German intelligence. I'm going to send you a, a wish list. Oh, tally-ho, I'm so German. Oh, that's French, but oh, down to the French. <laughs> They're, they're definitely calling up. It's like, listen, I got a very British sounding guy who claims he's a German agent. Oh, what does he look like? Brown hair, brown eyes. That's, yeah, don't worry. It's him. <laughs> um, so he basically says, no, I've been undercover this long. You know, they're, they're going to lead us to however many other terrorist agents. And this is one of the things I really like about this episode. And this is a storyline I completely forgot about until we get to the double cross part later on. But it's actually really interesting. And it is just a one-off thing. But this is one of those one-off things that really works and it doesn't feel like, oh, you're just stalling for time. Because he makes a solid point. It's like, okay, I understand that your country's under attack and you're trying to stop one terrorist, but like our country's under attack all the time and we're trying to stop 10 terrorists. So like, why should I bargain? 
Uh, Jack, uh, or they even try to get the German chancellor on the phone to get the, Angela Merkel. him to overthrow him. Um, but he, he refuses to give any information up. Uh, so uh, they weren't even authorized cooperating with them. So Jack basically offers them this wet list, which is, uh, I guess, it, the the America's list. The America. It's the America's list of all known terrorists. And he's like, well, I think we could work with that. Uh, this is the scene where Chloe was stealing it from the NSA. Uh, and again, like, this is where Miles isn't going to be wrong later on. Karen's not wrong later on. Chloe just says, okay, I'll do it. She even used the words. I didn't say I wouldn't. I just said I can't. Yeah. Uh, she has no problem breaking the rules. Uh, so they basically get him this uh, list. He shows it to him, but he doesn't actually deliver it. He says, no, we we get collect in custody and then you do it. Uh, and... Um, uh, they go to the airport to meet up with him. And I, I love this scene between Desmond and Jack here in the car where yeah. uh, it, it's 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 a referencing something that we've had in a past season. Uh, it, you could even play it as being like two things in a past season. Uh, but uh, it, it gives you it gives Jack one of those moments where you're like, oh, I didn't think they'd have a callback to this where he's t- telling Jack, you ever been undercover for a long period of time? And Jack's like, yes. And he goes, yeah, it's not so easy when there's a woman involved. <laughs> woman. Uh, and a woman, yeah. And I mean, we, we technically had this in season three with Jack. Uh, and you could even say, to a certain extent, Nina would be the other way around. But I mean, he can kind of draw parallels to the whole Nina thing with him. Uh, but it's it's just something you don't expect to get here. And, and it's, it brings a little bit of complexity to it. Something that even still has me on a little bit of the edge of my seat. Or because, again, I didn't remember all this. I'm like, wait, does he... Does he turn on him later on because he's basically admitting he still wants to bone Colette? Yeah. Um, but it, it's it's such a good scene. Again, like both their performances are fantastic as well. And the phone uh, call. When he g- That's amazing. With the the speakerphone part? Yeah, when like, they pull the gun on yeah. him. I put on the speakerphone on getting out of the car. Like amazing. Yeah, like you really get the tension between these two guys. I mean, you could build an entire season around this. And I think that's one of the reasons I love this episode. And it works as a one-off episode. I'm not saying like, oh, this isn't enough. But have this last for longer. Don't let it be anybody. You could bring any character in. You could have tried this uh, with, uh, this would have been a fantastic thing to do in season seven. If you want to do this with Renee or anybody else, um, have these two warring guys where they're always at odds and don't trust each other. Like, yeah, having the gun on him saying, you know, put on speakerphone or whatever, or or, I'm done. Uh, Jack uh, on the phone with Karen where they're like, Oh, oh, so we found out they had, and by the way, they pulled Chloe into custody and they said, so yeah, you broke the rules again. I love even Bill saying like, Chloe, you can't keep doing this. <laughs> it's every <Fire>. other hour. <laughs> uh, at this point, they probably should. I think they do technically try to fire her later on, don't they? Oh, well, she gets uh, but, about uh, eight times per season, I think, Chloe. So. <laughs> <laughs> She's already gotten her severance package earlier this season. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, yeah, like when they're telling him, okay, no, Jack, we have to back off of this. And uh, I love him on the phone with Karen where he even says like, uh, it, it, what she's saying, like, oh, are you threatening us or something? It's not a threat. It's a fact, Karen. Uh, and then uh, as he basically says, do I have authorization to do this because they don't want to take the time to call the president? Yes, Jack, but there will be re- repercussions. I understand. And he hangs the phone. He just he just still has a gun on him. And he just, this Desmond is like, are we all right? And he goes, yeah, we're good. <laughs> I love that exchange between them. It needs to be a Star Wars line, the- so it's treason. <laughs> <laughs> it's treason, then. <laughs> Uh, but I mean, to me, this is the thing that makes the episode. And I'm like, I, I, I really wish I had remembered this. Being a, there's a reason why I think you don't remember it. But uh, 
Uh, Colette finally comes out after her meeting with Bierko. Oh. And uh, I, I wonder why, like they have the description. There's no reason why they have to wait for a positive ID from him. Like they have a picture of like, how many other German women are going to come out of there, you know, the, who look like Colette meeting with Bierko in the middle of the saying German women, women are ugly. Jim well, looks like that. <laughs> yeah, in the middle of like the the Manitoba airport here, because it's not as important as the Ontario airport. Uh, how many other Saskatchewan airport? This is a very minor airport here, but like it couldn't have been anybody else at this point. Uh, but still, they're like, no, we got to wait. So he gets the identification, and I was still on the edge of my seat and like, oh, is he going to betray her or whatever? Uh, and I love just the, the Colette um, Teo, not Desmond Teo, uh, thing here, where it, it's almost like a you betrayed me. And he goes, yeah, sorry about that. She goes, I'm sorry too. But I understand is <laughs> this, all these unwritten the things. Job. Mondays, these, eh? yeah, that's the job. It's is as we call it a Monday. <laughs> um, she basically uh, says that uh, she's not going to talk uh, unless she has a signed deal. Uh, and uh, Oh, I do love when, when she's talking to Jack here and um, I guess before we should talk about the double cross here, we'll, we'll talk about the double cross first. So, uh, Jack basically says, yes, here's your wet list. He hands it off to him. And then as uh, Desmond gets in his car and he's driving away and he's like, ha, 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 I got one over on them. And you see the thing just sparks and blows up, which is so cheesy. This is as cheesy as the detonator. But like, there's something about it. Like, I, I don't know if it's Sean Calories, like Ocean's Eleven music. And then, bow, 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 bow. Like, yeah. like this <laughs> heist music is playing. Dun, and then dun, 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 dun. Yeah, and he's like, oh, got me again. Like, it's so power. cheesy. But like, it, yeah, power. It really weirdly works, though. And especially when they have the phone conversation. Like, I'm sorry, I will find a way to make it up to you. And he's like, oh, you won't make this up to me. You'll pay for this, Bauer. <laughs> Uh, I'm actually going to stop there before we get to the rest of stuff for Colette, just to talk about the the, the Desmond character here, the Desmond that we lost to the island, because 100% they intended to bring him back. And if not intended to bring him back, I feel like this is like the the China embassy at the end of season four, where they're like, we're going to use this at some point in the future. And maybe in some alternate script, this was, you know, a future season where it was because of your actions with the Germans. Now you have that. And they were, they were keeping this in their back pocket. And obviously, you know, lost is probably a reason why Henry and Kisak doesn't come back. But I don't think you needed to bring him back. And if I had to choose between this and China, I think China feels like a bigger threat. But it still would have been nice to have a mention to this at any point. Live another day. I mean, even bring this back in Legacy if you want. Just find a way to bring this back because it's an unresolved threat in 24. Can't agree anymore with that. And I'll talk about it in a second. Just with the other stuff, it's, yeah, the Chloe. Chloe should be fine. Like, what's the... How many people have been fine in CTU for not doing other things? And yet she's like literally almost, she's also creating treason, committing treason, but she's okay. Um, she's ruining people's outfits with tea. Like, I mean, it's just, you know, fire that woman. Um, just everything around like the, the Teo Jack stuff and even like the Curtis bit. I love the bit when he yeah jumps down off the roof and like takes down Curtis. And it's like, show me your identification. And Jack doesn't show identification, which then goes into the bit when they're talking in the room together. And he's like, your government would never give up that list. And Jack's like, I'm not, a, I don't work for the government. I'm not even, I'm not connected to that. Why doesn't Taylor just be like, well, what the fuck am I doing? You're just a civilian. You're also a muted boomer. Um, I, I just, I don't, I don't get it. Like he just kind of goes on with it, but I do kind of love the, the setup with Jack when he's just kind of like, leave him and I alone for a while. And he's mm-hmm. like, what are you doing, Jack? It's like, he starts taking his shirt off. What do you think I'm doing? This guy's German. <laughs> You know what they're like. <laughs> <laughs> so, and just like the whole back and forth and they're drinking scotch. It's the first time we've ever seen Jack drink alcohol on this show. Um, 
kind of going back and forth and delivering the wet list and just it, it just is also the quality of it. Not to take away from the other actors on this show, but when you get Kiefer with somebody like Henry and Cusack, you know you're in for a good time. Like I mean, it's just these mm-hmm. two are so good with each other. You know how good Henry Ian Cusack is. He kind of owns when he's on Lost. I mean, Keith Sutherland's owning everything on Twenty Four. It just works, and I love like like this is another missed opportunity. Not necessarily just for this character. You could have made a character, and I'll get to that more. But have a season like this where like you've yeah. got like you you technically kind of do, I guess, with Jack and Renee, but that's not really the same because Jack again, not an agent. He gets brought in by the FBI. Like, he's not, like, CTU doesn't exist at that point in this world. So it's not like CTU and FBI are, like, bouncing off each other. Like, I want, this is, like, a cool plot. It's almost a Bond plot. Like, it is a Bond plot. Mm-hmm. We've had Bond movies on this level before, like, you know, Spy Love Me and, and Tomorrow Never Dies, things like that. We've had these two sort of agencies having to work together with different reasonings. It's just, it's it's interesting. And then you've also got this whole level of double crossing and everything along those lines. It's just, it's fascinating. And then, yeah, I've express my concerns over the wet list just jack just tell the fucking truth whatever but like <laughs> the whole betrayal you're right like kind of it's i love this sort of back and forth between teo and colette where it's just kind of like oh yeah so mondays eh? and they just move on like you know it's kind of nice the car scene is epic i'm on board with that the the pulling the guns on each other is amazing because again you're not expecting it like it's just so cool the way it's done i i from what i can gather with this character and henry and cusack because yeah i for one remember watching this live going, ho, ho, I can't wait for this German guy to come back. Well, I didn't know who he was at the point because mm. he had been on Lost, which I'll get to, but like not obviously stand out enough that, oh, I know who this guy is. Um, But, yeah, I think this is the only one that I can really think of in 24 that stands out to me of, I think they tried something there that they just, they just they never followed up on it and it annoys me because, yeah, this is almost like a Mandy or like a, a China storyline where like this would have been so good later on. Have him like... I, and I kind of imply that this is just the that the German agent that shows up every now and then, you know? It's yeah. kind of like the Felix Leiter. Like, you know, oh, the there, Felix. there's Teo. Remember what happened last time? Lol about that. Have some scotch. Um, so, like, and that is a real, like, one of my biggest disappointments from all the 24 that this is it. We never see this goes nowhere. And judging on what I can see here, so at this point in time, Henry and Cusack had been on three episodes of Lost. He had sort of been at the beginning of season two. And then he didn't appear again to the end of it. So, and I think from memory, this might be a go back and listen to the Lost recaps. And I think Noah talked about it. I don't ever think Henry Ian Cusack was sort of necessarily intended to come back or maybe mm-hmm. sort of was in it for the long term. It never felt like it. So I'm kind of gathering that he sort of did a, a, a three episode guest stint on Lost. Then kind of like, cool, what do you got at me next? Agent, not CSI Miami, not Cold Case, not Judging Amy. Oh, 24. Um, and then kind of from there, like by the time they maybe wanted to bring him back, they were kind of like, oh, SpaghettiO, he's now like a full timer on Lost. So that's like, I would love to get John back on or Howard or even Henry himself to sort of, you know, touch on this because I feel that makes the most sense based on the dates and the airings because then you even kind of look at what he did post 24. So he was in a short film called After the Rain. He was in the movie Hitman. And then really, I was in a movie, uh, a video. I don't know if this is a movie or like a video film clip, Dead Like Me, Life After Death or a video game. And really from that, it was just lost until like Law and Order Special Victims Unit, uh, which, uh, come on, Ben, get on the board here. Law and Order Special Victims Unit. Um, he was on that. So that's kind of where I'm thinking that that's what happened, which is a, it's a, it's a missed opportunity. Like I, I wouldn't, 
Like, I hate it when they recast a character, see Rose McGowan <laughs> replacing Katie Sackhoff and Nip Tuck, but it's it's more of like a there's, there's potential here. Bringing yeah. German intelligence in some form or another. Like, it just, that's interesting. Because, again, think about even just that from a level of the country perspective. China, yeah, okay, sure. Middle East, sure. Russia, sure. We never really visit German stuff anymore. And we mm-hmm. even get a lot of back and forth of this of, like, German intelligence, you don't, like, work together? Like, what's going on here? Like, it's sort of, it's it's interesting. It's unique. And mm-hmm. Germany's got an interesting history in the world. So, you know, it's, anyway, rant, rant, rant. I, it's a missed opportunity. But I'm, I'm glad that we get Henry and Cusack in Lost. It's forgotten about. But here he is. And good for him. I love Henry and Cusack. Uh, the, the second half of this is where Colette's basically saying, I, and this is another, like one of these small things they wrote in that just gives the, the relationship that you don't really even see on screen, uh, so much more, uh, of a backstory and everything where Colette's basically saying, by the way, Teo, he was very good. <laughs> and she's not just saying it like that. But she's like, yeah. Like I, I think they both, this is something different where they both kind of have addressed like, yeah, you know, we're all working for opposite sides. It is just a job, but like, hey, it's hard to not get attached. And we, I mean, obviously Jack had a bit of that problem in season three, uh, maybe a bit of that problem in season one, uh, maybe a bit of that problem right now because uh, his girlfriend. Seven, then season eight, then redemption. <laughs> uh, but like, I, I wonder whether this is, you know, here, because I don't think, I don't think that they address this in next week. I wasn't, I mean, I wasn't taking notes. I intend to watch it again. But if this is here to kind of set up the whole Audrey thing next week, you know, like, oh, you never can tell with some people. Uh, But she's basically uh, uh, saying she's not going to give up any information. I do love what Jack tells him to leave. And Jack basically basically looks at her like he's horny because she's basically (laughs) saying maybe we could talk in private. Jack's like, yes, maybe we can. And he starts talking like really softly to her after everybody leaves. Uh, But I, I love where she's like, Name your price. And he goes, I'm not for sale. And she goes, everybody's for sale. Even with these. Exactly. But she just says, I want full immunity signed by the president. I mean, I kind of rolled my eyes watching this now because we've just made fun of we've had even in a recent season where they're like, yeah, we just write a clause in there where it means nothing. So like every time somebody says this, it doesn't mean anything. But I'd like they at least went far enough to say I can call up my lawyer at eight, you know, 57 at night. And he could read through this. Yeah, there is no loopholes in here. They, they they have to give you this immunity. And again, we've just literally seen Jack Bauer create a self-destructing chip. Why doesn't CT yeah. or any of these agencies goes, yep, definitely got you an agreement. Is that signed by the president? That's definitely the president's signature. Like, does fucking Colette here know what Logan's signature and his lawyer in, exactly. in Zurich? Hmm, I need to get a signature analyst on that. Like, fuck, right now, if you said, Ben, you have a presidential immunity from Joe Biden to go off and do whatever the fuck you want. If you handed me that right now, I'm like, that's probably Joe Biden's signature. I'd, like, sign it. Like, I wouldn't know. Like, and they literally get this presidential pardon in, like, two seconds. Why don't they just create a fake one? Like, I just, I don't understand. Joe Biden, I don't know if you can see, Joe Biden signed this right here. <laughs> oh, Joe Biden just visited Colin. What a nice man. I got man. his autograph right Where there. There's no way it was any, nobody other than Joe Biden signed that. Go, Joe! Joe! Go, Joe, sign the paper. <laughs> I'm Joe. But I feel like they they realized, yeah, we, we actually kind of, you know, ruined our whole immunity thing when we said that they have loopholes. So now we have to say a lawyer read it, but whatever. It's a minor complaint in this episode. Uh, and then when Jack gets the information, all right, so I don't have a way to contact Bierko directly. 
or, or Henderson or anybody. It's like, I got my schematics from a source. Uh, and I love a Jack's response. Like, well, it sounds like you don't really have much to tell us then. <laughs> Did I just do this all for nothing? It's like, well, I can give you the name of my source. Well, who's your source? Audrey Reigns? Do you know her? <laughs> um, and I mean, this is it, it, this is the one bombshell that you remember watching the episode. And why did you say that name? Why did you say that name? Uh, I love though when uh, Colette says, "Apparently, she had a price." Like that. Oh, that's a great line. Uh, and when we get to next week, now this is I. I intentionally season five. Unlike other seasons, I don't want to watch ahead. I kind of want to experience this like oh, I remember watching this the first time and then wait for the next episode. But like, I had to watch the next one because we've already talked about issues with what happens next week with Jack and Audrey. I will say, as I said earlier, I'm going to have some defenses for this, although I do think they could handle it slightly better. But regardless of how everything happens next week and then how quickly it's brushed under the rug after that going forward, um, this was a brilliant cliffhanger. And I think, though, you could have just made it that much better you know, if you did a couple other little things leading into this and but I could see the intentions were there with you know, talking about like, you know, oh, oh, falling for somebody and not realizing they're working for the other side. Like they were going somewhere and I feel like they just they, they needed to, to get this episode under time, which is weird because this is one of the few episodes on the uh, the DVD set that has no deleted scenes and no commentary. So I really got nothing to add, but it just feels like they, they were they were like 99% there and like, oh, we just had to cut that one moment that would have really sold this better. Look, you're right there. You're right that I remember watching this live and like fucking losing my shit. Like, what the fuck? Like, she is not evil. And like, it's sort of, it's 24, right? Like, you never know. And I'm saying this right now. I kind of wish they made Audrey evil because that would have been something you never saw coming even more than Nina. And that would have blown the lid off everything. So, and this is what, it's going back to what we said about Karen and Bill. Like, in hindsight, knowing where it goes, you don't, you can like them straight away. This is something that I know where it goes and how pointless it is. And that's what makes me mad about it. If they had have actually stuck the landing and made it that she was evil, you probably would have done this like, you know, in another eight episodes, not like at this point in the season. But like, it would have been epic. The fact that this is basically done and dusted within the first 15 minutes of next week or whatever it is. And then it's never spoken about again. Like it's just literally the writers have sat down in a room and gone, what would be a good plot twist? Um, tits, apparently plot twist. <laughs> um, um, well, that uh, would be a good twist. <laughs> uh, imagine if Jack thought Audrey was evil. Oh yes. And then they filmed mm. it. Yeah. Don't know about that. Let's forget that ever happened. And then they just moved on. Like it's just, it just doesn't work. We saw Jack torturing Paul last season and, but that had implications like Jack, like Audrey and Jack broke up because of Audrey seeing it. Audrey basically wants to suck his dick like two minutes after like she's torturing him. Oh, I didn't know you were this kinky, Jack. Like, I do love the bit though when Jack like pins Colette up against the wall. It's like, why did you say that name? Yeah. Um, that's cool. But like just, it's needless drama just for us to find out that fucking Audrey porked what's his face. Um, mm. So uh, like it, it, it gives me a bad taste in my mouth just knowing where it goes. But I, I'm with you. Like watching this for the first time was incredible. It's kind of again like the Logan stuff that you watch it for the first time, you're blown away. But in hindsight and retrospect, when you kind of watch it more closely, you know what's going to happen. You can take it a little bit differently. But first time viewing, this is an incredible twist. But it will go nowhere. And fuck you for making my Audrey something that she's not. And if you're going to do it, just make her something that she's evil. I want to say Kim stroking a cat. 
Kim Raver, that yeah. is. Going, yes, yes, Jack, I've got you now. <laughs> like, come on. We'll meet again, Mr. Bauer. I don't know if Audrey's ever played him. Uh, Kim, <laughs> I called it Kim as a character, not called Audrey as an actor. I don't know if uh, Kim Raver's ever played a villain before. So. You also know that, like, the line when he went, why did you say that name? Uh, where he actually says, if you're lying to me, I'll make this the worst day of your life. You know the writers are having fun with that worst day of your life line when they threw in there, too. Um, anyways, this episode for trivia... Uh, it's not a lot, uh, although there there is this fun one here that uh, the scene where Wayne's attacked is a mirror of the scene in the game where Chase is being attacked by Joseph Sin Chung. I'd have to go back to the game to see how closely if this is, if this is like, oh, we actually duplicated the shot or whatever, or if this is just somebody reading too much into it. Well, so Chase uh, is then, sniffing a fart in the car. Exactly. Oh. That's what I, oh. as soon Joseph as I read Sin that, Chung I pictured <laughs> I pictured Chase like, ooh. Uh, and then the only other good one here is that uh, uh, during the Logan's presidential or media address, there's a woman holding a, a cassette recorder. And apparently, if you look closely, there's no cassette in the recorder. So she's gotten fired. Oh, just, um, yeah, exactly. Other than that, the book the book has something? Uh, no, that was just what I read. There's something about uh, music in it, but nothing nothing thrilling. She's letting the game down, uh, old Tara, this season. I'm not, I'm not impressed with this book. No, the money I paid Just for this wait one. for next season. Yeah, next season will be tons of great trivia. Yeah. This season sucks. Every page. <laughs> Don't watch this episode. Don't watch this episode. Ugh, James Cromwell is his dad. <laughs> uh, but this one I'm going to buy. Um, are you with me? Are you I am lower? with you, Colin Hilding. I am going to purchase this episode with money. Good. Now, where are you at for the rankings? The rankings. Are you well, Ben? For this, for any reason, I am. I am. Um, it is a buy. I'm putting this at the grand old number of twenty nine. So, uh, still top thirty for me, just below episode sixteen of season three and above season nine, uh, season two, episode nineteen. So, yeah, a good episode. It's obviously a drop off from the last couple of weeks when we've had like top ten episodes, but this is still a very solid episode. Very entertaining. Again, the Teo Jack stuff is great. There's a couple of things in it that I don't like in this episode, but it's still, to me, a very solid, great episode. And this will end up overall for me on my list at the lovely total of 41st. Uh, and according to this, next week I've got better. So, and I, I honestly, the, I think the thing with me, because I haven't rewatched it since I did that binge watch, because I think the Audrey stuff is just done with so quickly. I, I remember actually watching, going like rewatching it last year, going, fuck, I hate this. To, oh, I forgot that even happened in this episode. I'm on board with everything else. So, yeah. I, I will say the the performances next week really do save it because th- that's one of the defenses I'm going to have is how yeah, well true. the performances Kiefer and are. Kim do a very good job of that scene, even though it I makes it. it a little bit more believable without having to have the script make sense. Um, but uh, for me, I'm actually ranking this quite high. I've got this at number 17. I'm Ooh. putting this right in between episodes six and seven of season one. That's how they like and the it. funny thing is, like, I love this episode so much more than I thought I would. I almost feel like 17 is too low for this. But for now, it feels like the right spot. I just I just looked ahead to next week and I remember why I've got it higher because it's the closing of next Kate week. Kate Mara? Now. Oh, Kate Mara's in it too. Oh. But like, it's the, the next week, it's the Jack literally outruns an explosion scene. Uh, and I, it's, it's one of those episodes where it's like it, just, it gets it's ranked highly because Jack does something crazy, which is like you either love or hate, as we've discovered. Next week is Jack fucking like, and just the sprinting scene of him running. If I'm not mistaken, it's that episode. Fucking love yeah. it. That takes away any bullshit with uh, Jack and Audrey next week. And Kate Mara, oh, Kate Mara, yeah, she's a- and Kim Raver in the one episode. I might need a big <laughs> box of tissues next. And Kiva Sutherland. There's a, there's a lot of cleanup next week on Isle Ben. 
You you can you can actually see the Jack outrunning the explosion yeah. on the the Wikipedia page for the next one. That's why I saw um, it. Do you like Kamara? Oh, we'll talk about that next week. Yeah, well, um, she was great on uh, House of Cards or whatever. Uh, I, I always found it weird, like, uh, well, I never saw a Nip Tuck. Uh, terrible in the Fantastic Four movie, but I mean, you can't blame any of the actors for that. I just, I always found it weird that like between her and her sister, her sister is the one who wanted to become a big star because to me, her sister is always kind of the boring one of the two. But I think that's the difference. Like Kate Mara has charisma mm. and Best Rooney has like some acting talent. Well, um, but John Hensley, who comes... you just heard on the Nip Tuck 20th reunion. And if you go back and listen to the interview episode. with him a, a few years ago, because uh, his character Matt gets to hook up with Kate Mara's character Nip Tuck, and then he admitted on our episode a few years ago that he dated Kate Mara. So, oh, did he? Yeah, just saying. And and he didn't give any more details. No, he also dated Jolly Richardson, who played his mum on that show. But that's a whole other. Uh... <laughs> he dated his mom. <laughs> he dated his mum. So uh, very Tasmanian. Uh, yeah. Next week, I'm I'm excited to talk about that one too. And and. Looking ahead, we're only about two, three weeks away from the big, big reveal of this episode or this season, uh, which came a lot sooner than I thought. I thought it was kind of like in the last three or four episodes, but it's actually a lot closer than that. So uh, we got some exciting episodes coming up yes. and some exciting recaps for you. And in between, we're going to have some exciting. Do we have movie coverage next month? Ah, uh, we're doing bad. We're rush month, this we? week. Are we doing bad? Movie oh, month? good. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Jack um, and Jill. Because... Let's start with that, shall we? <laughs> Yeah, we got Jack and Jill and, and Showgirls, which is at least oh. on Amazon Prime for free. So oh, Colin gets um, oh, like I, I you have to watch it with Jamie. I don't think she should let you watch that by yourself. I always Colin. See, see, I, see, I'm always I'm I'm always unsure about this movie. Like, is this movie just something where it's one of these '90s movies where they made a big deal? Like I mentioned, like Eyes Wide Shut. It kind of has this reputation as being like this erotic thrill, and it's like there's nothing Look, to it. And is Showgirls that, or is it literally like this is pornography? I'll be completely honest with you. When I was a teenager, my parents every now and then would go to like rent movies from the video store that were obviously like movies that us kids weren't meant to see. So they would hide them under their bed, right? So I knew what they did, and they were sort of like, oh, the, the, the naughty R-rated movies, right? Good on mum and dad for having a love life. But when I was in my teenage years, when I'm discovering that this is a thing, I remember they had Showgirls. So I remember as a 14-year-old boy, fast-forwarding it to see all the good bits. And <laughs> I remember there being lots of boobs. I remember there being a lap dance scene. Um, that's all. I don't think I've actually technically seen the whole thing. I've seen the whole <laughs> thing, if you know what I mean. But, like, what's the, what's the old Saved by the Bell girl's name who had a career ruined oh. it? Berkeley, Elizabeth Berkeley uh, or something yeah. like that, whatever her name is. So like, Never did anything else after Showgirls. I mean, Robert Darby's in this movie, of course, and he defended it from memory, yeah. didn't he, when we interviewed him? And he's always defended yeah. Showgirls. Showgirls is a movie that has its followers. It's a cult movie now that people really do yeah. love. But from I, I don't know if I've seen the whole thing in full. Um, but I just I think Jamie needs to be there with you, Colin, because you might discover, is that what they look like? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> What are they doing? What are those Do things on their chest? Jamie, you've never shown me them. You've never wanted to see them, Colin. <laughs> uh, yeah, and we might have Amazing Race Canada episodes. Uh, we might have, we, we already have a Nip Tuck 20th anniversary. People can listen to that uh, great episode, Ben, where you get to hear about Kate Mara. Um, well, not that one. That moms. wasn't the other one. That was a previous one. Oh, the, the other who, one. Yeah, but. Nobody dated close. their mom in this one. <laughs> well, speak for yourself. <laughs> uh other than that uh we have the room month coming up next month we're gonna have we do something very special for that that was already teased a few months ago where we we get to do a full interview you get to do a full interview with somebody <laughs> who's actually in that movie and i was i waited around for like two and a half hours for that interview that i didn't get to be on 
as the person just was later and later and later until I eventually be like, I got to go to bed. I really hate that I missed that one, but uh, that'll be a good one. It is. And uh, you already heard half of it earlier this year, but, um, and he's coming back to Australia too, old, uh, old mate. So uh, come November, I didn't end up going to the screening of the room when he was here. So maybe come November, I'll actually go there and maybe we can see if we can get more, more of him on the show. So get more of them, <laughs> get all of them on the show. We only got, a, we only got his shoulder. Uh, so stay tuned for whatever else we have coming out and listen to the end of this episode on how you can pay us money for Patreon and one of these days we'll actually give you some decent content if you're related to Colin feel free to message me and offer me money to do an episode (laughs) yes (laughs) Uh, my name is Colin and 40% of the Oz Network employees are either dead or unable to work my name is Ben, and what are you doing in this country? Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast by Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff yes sir do you like having access to your favorite podcast hosts in a way like never before yeah absolutely do you wish you had access to our old survivor oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online oh yeah if you answered yes to one two or all of those questions then get excited because the oz network is now on patreon That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.